0: I'm glad that you guys are here today. Those of you who are online, I appreciate you being present as well. My name is Doug Vernon. Uh, I'm the senior minister here. Um, those of you who've been around for a long time, you know me, and I'm glad that you're here. Um, there is a connection card in the seat back in front of you if you're present here in this room. And we invite you to take a moment, put your name on there, and you can put it in the offering box at the conclusion of the service. Now, if you're new, whether in person or online, if this is your first time with us, um, we would love to be able to connect with you to provide more information for you. And so you can text the word WELCOME, W-E-L-C-O-M-E, to the number on the screen, 636-206-8654. There's that number on the back of your seat there. Don't worry, somebody won't show up at your house. Uh, We just want to let you know more about Wildwood Christian Church and just let you know how much we appreciate you being here with us today. And so again, thank you for your presence. Hope you had a good holiday uh, with your family. It's always a mixed bag, isn't it? Right? With family, it's enjoyable and it's a little bit challenging. We had a couple of very fun things that happened to us over the holiday. First of all, our daughter and son-in-law moved all the way from California. They were tired of the wonderful weather. And so over the holidays, they moved here to the state of Missouri. Um, I went in with John to, uh, to get uh, some internet uh, equipment, and the guy looked at him and said, why would you move here from California? He had the picture of beaches and stuff, Right. But an even more exciting news is that we brought into the world um, a new grandchild. Uh, and so this is Adonaius Elihu Vernon. He's actually sitting right there. He's in Aaron's arm, uh, our son Kevin and uh, daughter in law Aaron. Uh, a week ago tomorrow, he came into this world. And so we're excited and wanted to share that news with you. I'm sure you had some wonderful things happen to you over the holidays. But again, Thank you for being here and letting God speak into your heart and into your life. So uh, an honest admission to you, um, my walk in relationship with Jesus Christ has had its ups and downs. You know, I've had seasons in which I was really felt close to the Lord, kind of connected to Him, really just, you know in a groove with my relationship with Him. And then I've had other times in my walk and relationship with the Lord where it's been, um, well, it's been colder, I guess, right? And it's not God, right? God's not the one that moves. It's always me. And sometimes I get too comfortable in my walk and relationship with God. And, you know, things are going great and everything's going well with the family. And so because things are good and comfortable, it's kind of easy for that relationship to kind of slide off center, Sometimes it's busyness. That happens to me over the holidays, you know, when you got a lot of family in or you're doing a lot of traveling. It's kind of easy for that relationship with God to just kind of take a backseat for a period of time. You know, for others of us, it's busyness. Right, Other things happen to us, and in my life that's the case. When you've got a lot of things going on, you know, working up towards Christmas Eve or some of that stuff, and it's so busy it can be easy during busy seasons for my relationship with God to slide a little bit and kind of get off center. I would guess you all understand that. If you're honest, then you can admit the same thing. And there are times in which you're on fire for the Lord, and you are connected to Him, and your relationship with Him is an amazing thing. But then other things happen in our life. Not always bad things, oftentimes good things. But suddenly we wake up and we realize, you know what? I'm just not where I used to be in my walk and my relationship with Jesus Christ. And God knows this about us, right? Right? He made us. He knows that we have human nature. He knows that that's a tendency for us. So God periodically does things in our lives to kind of stir things up. Sometimes that's why we have difficulties in our life, because it's God's way of trying to wake us up a little bit and say, hey, you're drifting off course here. Then other times, there's Sundays like this where somebody annoying like your preacher decides to get in your face and in his own face to say, all right, We need to look at where we are in our walk and relationship with Jesus Christ. And so that's what today is all about. The question is simply this, where do you sit? Where do you sit? And this particular concept really comes from a guy by the name of Bruce Wilkinson. He wrote a book several years ago called Experiencing Spiritual Breakthroughs. And in this book, he talked about the fact that in evaluating or looking at our relationship with Jesus Christ, we need to think about what are three chairs. And so you notice that I have three chairs up here on the stage with me, and we're going to talk about these three chairs. He says, everybody in society finds themselves in one of these three chairs in their life. And we're, as we talk about these three chairs, what I want you to think about is where am I at at this particular moment? Now, don't get all legalistic on me as we talk about these chairs and say, well, you know, I'm only ever in this chair and i never changed from this particular chair, right? Um, don't, don't do that. Just think about at this moment where I happen to be in my walk and relationship with Jesus Christ. And we're going to do some evaluating today, right? We're going to do some thinking together in regard to our walk and relationship with Jesus Christ to take kind of an honest look at our life. And so as we think about these three chairs, here's what I want you to do. There's three words that I want you to think through in regard to these three chairs. So in chair number one, I think, want you to think of the word commitment, okay? When, I, when you're sitting in this particular chair, you are committed all out with Jesus Christ, all right? You are committed to him. And it's a taller chair. It's a pretty solid chair. You know, It's not the most comfortable chair in the whole world to sit in. But think of the word committed. Then when you come to chair number two, what I want you to do is I want you to think of the word compromise. Compromise. This is a nice, comfortable chair, right? In fact, I could push back here and I could enjoy the whole message up here because this is really comfortable. But What happens to us in this chair is that, um, well, our relationship with Jesus Christ can be a thing um, of the past. We talk about it in the past tense. I remember when I used to be a part of that small group. I remember, you know, when I was really reading through God's Word. I remember that particular season, but it tends to be something of the past, all right? Then when you think of this third chair over here, I want you to think of the word complacent or complacency, all right? When you happen to find yourself in this chair, you're complacent. This is a person who is lost, all right? Now, they're not complacent about life. In fact, they oftentimes really enjoy life. They're complacent about God. They're complacent about their walk and their relationship with God, that He's just not a part of their life. But maybe they are, you know, antagonistic towards God, but it could also be that they just, They don't really care. They're apathetic towards God. They could be 20, they could be 80 and still find themselves in that particular chair. And so what I want to do today is challenge you, Um, challenge me, because we periodically need times in our life where somebody comes along and says, okay, where do you sit? Where are you at? Where's your walk? Where's your relationship with Jesus Christ? And as you sit there today, it can be very easy, whether you're at home or here, to think, Man, so-and-so really needs to hear this message today, okay? Don't do that, all right? Uh, In fact, I'll point that out here in a few minutes, where you actually happen to be, if that's your tendency. This is about looking in the mirror and reflecting on our own lives, okay? Where am I at? What do I need to be paying attention? So we're going to look in the Old Testament, to get a picture of all three of these chairs. So take your Bibles out and turn to Joshua 24, or take your phone or your tablet out. If you're online, grab your Bible. Make sure that you're opening your Bible. If you want to go to the U Version app, that QR code that's on the back of your seat there, you can take your phone camera and hover over that and click on that, and it'll take you right to the Version app, and you can follow along there. But Joshua represents for us those who are sitting in this first chair, all right? And so we're going to read, this is the end of Joshua's life, okay? Um, we are at a place and time in Joshua's life in which he is soon to die, Moses led God's people up to the promised land, right, out of Egypt. But Joshua was the one who led them into the promised land. And by this point, they've conquered most of the promised land. And so Joshua calls all of the people together. So this is Joshua chapter 24. I'm going to read verses 14 and 15. So he's speaking to all of God's people. And he says, now fear the Lord and serve him with all faithfulness. Throw away the gods your ancestors worship beyond the Euphrates River and in Egypt, and serve the Lord. So that's what he wants. That's what he's saying to them. I want you to serve God with everything you have. But then he goes on. But if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourselves this day who you will serve. Whether the gods your ancestors served beyond the Euphrates or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are now living. In other words, he says, look, I want you to serve God, but what I want you to do is make a choice. It's your choice. But then the final thing he says there is what? But as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. Say that out loud with me. But as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. And Joshua represents those who sit in this chair because for him, it was all about serving the Lord. That was it. Nothing else. Me and my house. God is first in everything that we do. We serve the Lord. Then you go just two chapters later, and we get a picture of those who are sitting in the second chair. All right. So turn over to Judges. It's just two chapters later. That's chapter 24. Go to chapter 2 of Judges. And what we see are the followers of Joshua here. So this is verse 6 of Judges chapter 2. So it says, After Joshua had dismissed the Israelites, they went to take possession of the land, each to their own inheritance. The people served the Lord throughout the lifetime of Joshua and of the elders who outlived him and who had seen all the great things the Lord had done for Israel. The people served the Lord throughout the lifetime of Joshua and of the elders who outlived him. When you read that, you you begin to get a picture of, it's almost as if they were following God because of whose presence they were in, because of the influence of Joshua and the elders. It's almost like it wasn't really them following God, it was them just following these guys who were following God. It was kind of a thing of the passage, you notice that, they, they followed the Lord who had done these great things that they had remembered. But now they weren't following God. They were really just because of the presence of Joshua. They represent people sitting in this chair. I mean, they have a, you know, God's important to them and everything, but why are they following? It's more about something of the past. That's a chair to follower of God. But then you go just a couple of verses later. Go down to Judges chapter 2. Look what it says beginning in verse 10. And after that, whole generation had been gathered to their ancestors, all right? All those people, Joshua, the elders, and then all those who followed them. It says, another generation grew up who knew neither the Lord nor what he had done for Israel. Then the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord, and they served the Baals. Who knew neither the Lord nor what he had done for Israel. And that represents people who are sitting in chair number three. Chair number three are those people who, um, they don't have a relationship with God at all. I mean, just none at all. They, they don't have anything to do with God. And you say, how is it possible that from Joshua, who was the age of some of these people, just past one generation, you go to people who, who didn't know God and who served the Baals. How is it possible that that can happen? Well, it's possible because basically you have three things going on here. Number one, these people that sit in this chair, they know the Lord personally. I mean, God is, they talk about God or Jesus like he's in the room with them. It's like, this is a part of my life. This is who my life is. God is there, present. It's, it's a personal relationship. People here know about the Lord. It's really connected through another person, right? They know about the Lord, but people who sit in this particular chair, they don't know the Lord at all. And this spiritual erosion can occur in merely one generation, from Joshua to these particular people. And it's so frustrating to see that happening, but it didn't just happen back then, it can happen today. and it can be a part of our own personal experiences, right, in which... We can go from being on fire with God to becoming kind of, I don't know, comfortable in our walk in our relationship with God. I mean, it's something that can happen today. And so the warning for you and I today is simply this, that we need to wake up to the danger of letting ourselves slip away from this first chair. We need to wake up to the realization, the danger of leaving this first chair. And that's what I want to help us think through today in different areas of our life. And so what's going to happen today is I'm going to give you some contrasts. All right? Different contrasts. We're going to look at a variety of areas of our life, try to get as practical and as annoying as I possibly can to help us think through where am I at today? Because if we can't evaluate our lives, our walk with God, then why would we do anything about it at all? And so the first area of contrast is simply this who is on the throne? So as you look at these three different chairs, who would we say is on the throne? So who's on the throne of those who sit in chair number one? Well, it's God, absolutely, totally. Everything comes back to God. There is no doubt, no question in the mind of a person who's sitting in this chair. Everything is about God, their relationship with God. Everything comes back. They are sold out, committed to God. God guides and directs everything that they do in their lives. Who's on the throne? It is God. Who's on the throne of somebody who's sitting in this particular chair? Well, that's God, but that's also self. It's like this dual allegiance that somebody has in a chair like this. Sometimes God gets to call the shots, but sometimes we get to call the shots. And the thing about a person who's sitting in this particular chair, they think they're sold out and fully committed to God, that God makes all the decisions. Except when, well life gets a little bit difficult. And when life gets difficult, and sometimes, oh, you know what, God, you don't really know what you're talking about. Or when life gets busy, right? It's awfully easy for that walk and relationship with God to slide to the side when life is busy. Or sometimes it can happen to us Um, because we just rarely ever spend time with God himself other than when we come on Sunday morning or show up online, right? In other words, we think we're fully committed, but the reality is it's a dual allegiance. Sometimes it's God and sometimes it's us. So who's on the throne of a person sitting in this chair? Well, that is self. That's an easy one, right? No dual allegiance. Everything comes back to them. They get to make all the decisions. They get to call all the shots. Everything they do is about them, their future. And again, It's not that they're necessarily antagonistic towards God, though some could be. It's just, you know what? I'm the one that gets to make the call and the decision of my life. And so who is on the throne? That's the first thing that we need to look at and wrestle with. Who is on the throne of my life? Who really gets to call the shot? So ask yourself this question, which seat, which chair are you in regarding who's on the throne? Jesus. I have decided to give you this. Really? Yeah. You know whoever sits here makes all the decisions, right? I know. And I'm always making decisions. But you make the perfect decisions. So you just sit right down and start making them. Wow, I'm honored. I mean, this feels great. (laughs) Kathleen, guess what? I just got my new credit card. It's time to go shopping. (laughs) Oh, really? I thought your husband and you were going to pay off debt. Oh, yeah. I mean, money's kind of tight. But I figured he doesn't have to know about it. So do you want to go with me? No. (laughs) No? Why? Uh, What I mean is, uh, I don't know, Um, so let me check my schedule and then I'll get back to you. Okay, yeah, give me a call. Okay. Kat, what's going on? What do you mean? Well, I'm kind of one cheek in it here. Look, I just want to make sure we're on the same page. You wanted me to sit here, right? Well, of course. And whoever sits here makes all the decisions? Right. So what's the problem? Uh, There's not a problem. I just, I don't know what I was thinking. Really, please, here, sit down. As long as you're sure. I'm sure. Okay. okay. So, let's start over. Okay. All right. Cat. I noticed that you've been losing your temper a lot lately. Right. So, okay, Jesus, you know what? I know what you're gonna say, but, um, see, you, do? you don't know the whole situation, you know? Oh. Well, all I'm saying is that your attitude is a decision. Yes, of course, but I have a lot going on right now. Well, I know you're under a lot of pressure. Pressure? Jesus, you don't understand pressure, okay? This I- isn't working, Cat. What? We can't both sit on the seat. It's either me or it's you. Okay, I know. You know, I just, I didn't think it was gonna be this hard, but here, just take it. No, I'm not gonna take it. You have to give it to me. OK, here. Kathleen, make a choice. I can't. You just did. So who's on the throne? It's a challenging question. Second area of contrast is how these three different chairs, people who sit on those chairs, how we relate to God. So how do we relate to God? Well, people who sit in chair, number one, relate to God in a relationship. They know that it is a relationship that they have with God, all right? That God is more important. As I said earlier, it's like God's in the room with them. Jesus is right there. They recognize that Though God is God, right, and he is so significant, it's still a relationship, something that they want to grow and develop in their, in their life. And so God influences and permeates every particular area of their life. So what would, word would we use to describe a person who's sitting in this particular chair and how they view God? Well, we would say they see God in a religion. It's a religion, right? It's a list of do's and don'ts that I'm supposed to keep or not keep, right? Um, Going to church is a duty. It's, It's just this thing of, it's a religion. It's something I do. It's a box that I check, and then I can just move on to other areas of my life. And what's interesting about the difference between these two chairs in regard to how they view God is that God permeates every area of their life when you're sitting here every part of their life, um, everything. But a person who sits in this chair, they become really good at compartmentalizing their life. So picture with me right here um, a chest of drawers, all right? It's got several different drawers in here. And so this is what a person who sits in this chair would be like. Um, They got their top drawer, right? That's the Bible. That's their God drawer. But then when, you know, Sunday's done, they can shut that door, drawer there. Then you've got the family drawer here, and you've got the job drawer here, and then you've got the fun drawer down here, and then, well, you've got that bottom drawer. You know, nobody's perfect, Doug, right? Everybody's got stuff that they want to hide they don't want other people to see. But what happens to a person that sits in this particular chair is that they're good at compartmentalizing things. Sunday, this is how we act and behave. This is the way we are and then the rest of the week, all these other areas, they don't mix together. They don't influence one another. And, and it's a kind of a scary thing to recognize that when we actually sit in this particular chair, um, we compartmentalize our life. Now, a person who sits in this particular chair, how they happen to relate to God, they relate to God in rebellion. They have turned their back on God. They are running away from God. Again, it can be intentional or it can just be apathy in their life, but how they relate to God is in full, all-out rebellion against God. Let's do another area. What about how we view the Bible? How do these different chairs happen to view the, the Bible? Well, people who sit in this particular chair, they view the Bible as the authority of their life. Everything comes back to what God wants in their life. And they recognize and know that God doesn't speak into every area, but he has principles. He has um, guidelines that we can use to influence all of the areas of our life. But they view the Bible as the authority. It's God's word. It speaks into my life. I'm going to always listen, and I'm going to always submit to the word of God. And so how they view the Bible, they submit to it. Now, people who sit in this particular chair, they respect the Bible. Okay? They respect the Bible. It's, it's a good Bible. It's a good book. It's got some great stories in it. And they periodically consult the Bible, open it up to kind of see, well, what am I supposed to do in this area? But the problem with people who sit in this particular chair who respect the Bible is that when it they look at the Bible and God's Word and it contradicts an area of their life or a choice that they want to make, what do they do? Well, they tend to say, well, I know the Bible says that, but... And then it's easy to justify. It's easy to justify our choices, or our behavior, and say, but you know what? Culture is really different than it was back in Jesus' day. Or people are really, really different today than they used to be. And so what happens to people here, they respect the Bible... But they don't really spend any time in the Bible knowing what God wants them to do at all. In fact, if you want to challenge yourself, consider this. Over the last three weeks, we'll go back three weeks because Christmas is unfair, right? Other than Sunday morning, how much time have you spent in reading the Bible? Not a devotion, but in reading God's Word and sitting down and letting it speak into your heart and into your life. All right, so how we view the Bible. What about how we view our job? So people who view their job, who sit in this particular chair, view their job as a calling. They see that God has given them gifts and abilities, and they recognize that they have a job because God wants them to be a light and an influence wherever they happen to be, no matter what job they happen to have that they, they work hard at their job and they do the very best. They want to be able to be, you know, have that, earn that kind of respect, but they do it because they want to be able to have a forum to be an influence for God. They see the income that they have to be used by God as a gift for Him in this world, and so they see it as a calling. People who sit in chair number two, they see their job as a blessing. God has given me this job so that I can have income and I can enjoy life. People who sit in chair number three see their job as a proving ground so that I can do the very best I can and I can be a, you know, contributing member of society, but it's a proving ground so that they can climb the ladder of success. What about marriage? How do people view marriage who sit in these particular seats? People who sit in this particular chair, they see marriage as a covenant It's a biblical word that means a promise that we make between us and God that is a binding promise. Though marriage is a promise to another person, a person who sits in this chair recognizes that marriage is actually a promise to God. And so we see it as a covenant, one that cannot be broken. People who sit in chair number two, they see marriage as a a conditional contract. A conditional contract. In other words, uh, I'm, I'm committed to this relationship, but you know when it gets a little bit difficult, it's okay for me to kind of slide out. And again, you know they look at God's word and they say, "Well, I know the Bible says this, but you know it's different in my situation." And then people who sit in chair number three they see marriage as a legal convenience. It helps them financially, it helps them in the job world, whatever it happens to be. It's just a legal convenience. What about how we parent and raise our kids? People who sit in chair number one, they want to raise godly kids. They want them to know God, love God, they do everything they can to help their kids know about God. People who sit in chair number two, they want to raise good kids. You know, don't get in trouble. Don't uh, do anything to mess up the reputation of your family. People who sit in chair number three, they want to raise successful kids. That's why they get pushed to, you know, earn good grades, be able to go to a good school so that you could earn good money and make a good income to be able to have a really good life. And so they want to raise successful kids. And it's interesting, in Wilkinson's book, he, he's done this for years and years, and he talks in there about how chair one people tend to raise chair one followers of God. Now, you know, when kids reach a certain age, they make their own choice, right? But the tendency is to do that. But what he's found is that chair two followers of God, they don't raise chair two followers kids of Jesus Christ. They tend to raise chair three followers of Jesus Christ because the kids see the duplicity of their parents, how they act. One way at one time, and another way how they compartmentalize their life, how God doesn't really permeate all of their life. Now, if you're brave and you still have kids in your house, ask them which chair they think you sit in as a parent. I wouldn't encourage that because you will get an answer you may not necessarily like, but it may open up a door of great conversation. I mean, the the thing that you and I have to do in our lives, we all have to do it. I mean, I, I've got to do this is wrestle with, okay, where do I sit? You know, what, what is my relationship with God? What is it like right now? And we've got to be honest with ourselves. If we can't be honest with ourselves, then we're going to continue to slip into this chair or maybe even beyond this particular chair. So what What do we need to do about what we're kind of discovering today? And don't worry, I'm not going to make you stand up and tell me which chair you think you sit in, but I want you to picture yourself in one of these three chairs right now. And as you see yourself in one of these three chairs, as I see myself, I want to ask you, if you see yourself sitting in chair number one, then the decision you need to make is to reaffirm your relationship with Jesus Christ. That's your choice, your decision, to reaffirm your relationship with Him. And again, it's easy for us to say, well, you know, I wish so-and-so was here to listen to this, or I want to send the link to so-and-so because they need to hear this. If you think that, maybe you find yourself more over in this chair, right? We need to reaffirm. It's, It's a daily thing. And the reason I know this is because it's something that it's so easy to slip into comfort mode. What did did Jesus say? We studied this in Luke this particular year. But Jesus says in Luke chapter 9, verse 23, Dale, you can put that up there for me. Whoever wants to be my disciple must what? Deny themselves, take up their cross, say that word with me, daily and follow me. It's a daily choice to reaffirm our relationship with God. Now, if you're honest enough with yourself and you feel like, you know what, I I feel like I'm sitting in this particular chair today, then the decision you need to make is to repent, is to repent, is to say to God, you know what, God, I I felt like maybe I was in that chair, but I really think from the choices I make in my life, I'm not there. And, And we need to repent if we're in this chair. And you know what, I think this is the most dangerous chair because it's so comfortable, it's so easy for us to stay. We, You know what, Doug, I, I mean, I believe in God. I think God's a great guy. I, I believe that He exists. Well, great. I mean, even the demons believe God exists. But there's a couple of key verses of that Jesus speaks. One is in Matthew, and Jesus says these words. He says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who's in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and in your name perform many miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. That's a horrible verse. But then Jesus says this in Revelation to one of the churches that he's speaking to. He says this, he says, I know your needs, deeds, and again, Jesus is speaking, that you are neither cold, cold, Nor hot. I wish you were either one or the other. So, because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I'm about to spit you out of my mouth. That is a verse tailor made for those of us who find ourselves in this particular chair. And I know this is a comfortable chair because I've found myself in that chair. It is an intentional decision to repent and say, Lord, it's my choice. I'm the reason I'm here. And to Put ourselves back in this chair. Now, if today you find yourself in this particular chair, that you do not have a relationship with Jesus Christ, you've been running from God or you are living in rebellion to God, your choice today is to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior, to put your trust in him and receive him as your Lord and Savior. Um, It's such a crucial decision to make because you don't have a relationship with him. But putting our trust, it's like Jesus said in John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. Everlasting life. So as we wrestle with this today, and as we think through all three of these, I really challenge you to consider where you're at. And say, what is one thing that I need to do? Is it to reaffirm? Is it to repent? Is it to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior? And make that choice even this day. Let me pray for us. Father God, um, I thank you for the challenges that you put in my life, for the difficulties that cause me to grow closer to you, Lord, for the people that are willing to put their arm around me or kick me in the backside and say, Doug, you know what? Um, Your walk with Jesus is not what it needs to be. And so, Father, I pray that through your Spirit and the love that you demonstrate to every one of us that we will receive the admonition that we need to hear today um, because you are a good Father who loves us. And Father, if there's anyone today who's lost to you, that today would be the day that they would choose to say yes to you as their Lord and Savior. And so, Lord, encourage us and challenge us. In your most precious name we pray, (laughs) amen.